Okay, last week Tuesday. If you are not here last week Tuesday, oh, it was a panoramic day, isn't it? Last week Tuesday, you divided yourself into five groups. And then you had moderators, and then people shared what they have been blessed by in uh, studying the book of um, Amos. All right, so, and then, you know, I had the, the news that it was very, very interesting. If you were not there, I would say that, please, anytime, this Tuesday meeting, let everybody make it a point of duty that if you miss anything, you'll miss it. I will together now. Now, one of the things that is quite interesting in the book of Amos is the fact that God revealed about his people, which is the normal pattern, and he revealed about how they became disobedient, which is normal pattern. And he revealed about how he will punish them. And then how he did punish them. And then he now healed them. Isn't it? <clears throat> and there's a principal lesson that we need to learn from that. That is, you can't take God for granted. If you take God for granted, you will never escape it. Now, there have been a lot of questions about, um, you know, when things suddenly turn for the worse for God's children. Why? People ask. But the fact is that for you and I to be able to say that this is not God, we must have been very faithful to God. Because we know that things can turn bad by trial. Tribulation can bring things not to go in our way. But how you will be convinced and be confident is the fact that you are faithfully serving God. So tonight, what we are going to do is that, haven't you studied Amos? I will want to talk to you about the coming of the Lord, which is what I was sharing with you before I traveled. Our trip to Nigeria was because someone died. So I went to do a funeral of somebody who was with me last month when I went to Nigeria, together with her husband. She's not old. She's a young woman of 52. And she wasn't sick. She wasn't ill. And uh, after I left, even the Lord revealed to me what he spoke to her about her the first day I met her, which is, I told her, God said you should be writing books. What are you doing? All this year you've done nothing. You haven't done these books. Now, I'm, I mean, she's done nothing about it. She's a very faithful, obedient servant of God. But lazy about this book writing. And God told me that, look, he has anointed your mind to reveal a lot to humanity which will turn their heart towards him and strengthen them. And you've done nothing about it. And I said to her that, look, as you are leaving me now, don't do anything. Unless you have done that. And that was my last statement of her. Following Sunday, Saturday, she felt not good. Went to the hospital. The doctor said, all right. You know, the doctors uh, said, look, you look, let me check your blood. He checked the blood and the count was down. The doctor said, I must transfuse your blood right now. They gave her blood transfusion. And after they've given her enough, they said, go home. She came, they come on Sunday. After service, on Sunday, she was okay, perfect and stuff. She left went back to the doctor and the doctor said, no, your face looks more terrible than yesterday. I can't let you go home. You have to be detained. So the doctor now 
give another blood. Why the doctor took her blood to test, to know what is really wrong with her. By the following day, before the blood result came back to really know what she saw, she just collapsed. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. She died. They called me and said that pastor died. I said it's not possible. Because she can't die. She doesn't look sick. How can you tell me pastor died? Where is he? They said, I have people praying in tongues all around her. And I joined them in the prayer for one hour. You know? Now, the husband dropped her. I came to her in the morning. And said, all right, when I close from office, I will come over. She came to me, the dead body. Now, this is a woman that is outstanding. The testimony about her, there was a man who was talking about how that woman was good to them. How that woman raised her. How that woman, he, he doesn't have a father and mother. That woman had taken the position of her mother. This is a married man, matured man, family man. And he was crying. He said, I've never called anybody mother apart from my earthly mother. But to this woman, she didn't tell me before I knew she's my mother. And he cried. And many people came and cried. But that's what I went to do. Now a church of vibrance, a church with prophecy, a church with future, young church. And suddenly, the lamp of the house vanished. Now, I had a duty to make sure that I leave them restored. So, Thursday wasn't a very good time because it was the Christian awakening. But, you know, I had to minister, helping the people to know when the Bible says, I am coming soon. To anybody that dies, he has already come. To those who are alive, he can come any minute. And people who die, do not die because they look like they're going to die. There are people who are terribly sick, and the doctor said they will die in seven days. They hang on for seven years. Even the doctor who said you have seven years, seven days to go, died before them. So, therefore, it is, it is, it is a good thing for us in this season to reflect our mind to the reality of the life we're living, reality of the gift of life, the grace of mercy when we're alive, so that we can make the best of our daily life with God, living each day as if it's our last opportunity. But, you know, Friday was, um, you know, I love to speak to people when they come for funeral. I have to let them know, first of all, these services we are doing is never for the dead. The dead is gone. It's only for you living. I show them various scriptures and on Friday, uh, Thursday on the barrier, it was not quite easy. You know, everybody controlled their emotion and all stuff like that. But when we, we read the scripture and said, Earth for earth, dust for dust, and ash for ash, I could not read further. You know, there was a pause all over, tears and you know, reflection of her great memories. But we carried on and finished. But on Sunday was a revival. Because they did the Thanksgiving on Sunday. And God did incredible things. Sunday service wiped off of the sorrow. And left the church vibrant, hopeful. 
the man too who had been sorrowful left him very, very hopeful. And he, even on Saturday, another strange thing happened that he, I was to go and visit him on Saturday. They just called me that he had collapsed. So when he collapsed, and you know, people easily can put one one together and say, there are some devils that is attacking this family. It's because he had the fever a week before the burial, which was not fully treated. And he had all this stress of, you know, missing the wife and stuff. So Saturday morning, he woke up, he just was dizzy. And he's been stressful. He's not been sleeping for days and stuff. So, but then we thank God. We went to the hospital, you know, prayed with him. They gave him all the drips that he needed. By Sunday, he was in service. And in service, God broke the eyes. So that the, the garment of sorrow was taken away. Now, everybody now have come to the understanding of the reality that they are in. And led that church in the great revival. But, you know, each time I do a thing like that, I remember the living. This is one of the reasons why my thought today, because mommy is not here, she's preparing for tomorrow. I want us to go through this issue about the coming of the Lord. And, you know, we're going to discuss together. Somebody will tell, get up and tell us one thing that um, God has spoken to you during this teaching of the coming of the Lord and the scriptures, where it is. Another person will come up and say something. Another person will come up and say something. But before we go on, what scripture really did we begin this lecture from? Matthew 24, verse 4. You must never forget that. Matthew 24, verse 4. And what brought the discussion in verse 4? Yes. What, what led to Jesus' answer? You know, Jesus answered in verse 4. Isn't it? Watch out that you are not deceived. But what happened in verse 3 before Jesus answered that answer? Yes. The disciples asked two questions. Let's look at it together. Okay, they asked Jesus, sitting at the Mount of Olives, tell us, they said, when will this happen? What was referred to as this? Yes, let's, let's hear from Doc. Ella is saying something. What was the, this, this? Jesus says, when this happens, and they, they, they said, uh, they, tell, they said, tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming? Yes, Doc. And then they were amazed that such a magnificent temple will be destroyed and no, to, no stone will be left. And so they wanted to find out, when will this happen? And what will be the sign, you know, of the oh, end? Okay. You get Jesus that now. Christ went and, and he answered. Okay. So, you, when, when you are taught a scripture, the principle of philosophy of the Bible is that you read what led to it, you read the, the context, and then you read thereafter, if it's connected. For you to be able to understand context. The basic reason for error in the church of God 
is many people, everybody who have preached error, read a context and then they start to interpret it or apply it. So they will just go off tangent. And all of you must know in Christ with Tabernacle too, you know, if you misinterpret the word of God, you will see how boldness that is true. You see how faith in what you believe. But the fact is that it will never work. Because God will never leave the line of truth to bless a false belief. And this has frustrated many Christians. And they will say, God doesn't work for me. But the fact is that the premise of their standing is just false. So, Jesus told them about the coming, his next coming, the end of time. And he attached it to that at that time, the temple of Solomon will be broken down. And that an abomination will be built upon that temple. It will become a temple of an idol. Alright, so they now ask Jesus that, look, when will this happen? And what will be the signs of your coming? Yes? So then, Jesus answered in verse 4, what did he say? What was the first thing he said? Alright, let's talk now. What did you learn from it? You don't have to be serial. Like you discussed, you discussed last Tuesday, isn't it? Uh-huh, yes, I want to hear you. You know, deception in the last days. So just tell us something that, you know, what from the deception. Maybe if I, if I may ask you the question. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. And I began by interpreting the word no one. Yes? And so, okay, let's talk. Who are the ones? Self-deception. And others. So self-deception, like somebody deceived himself. Alright? And that is the most powerful deception because that is what is called delusion. That is the deception of delusion. The second deception is satanic deception. When demons you speak to your mind, ideas, and you will not know that they are demons speaking, it will look like a thought. And I help you to understand that Holy Spirit also speaks to our mind. Angels speak to our mind. But how do we know angels? What it says in line with the scriptures? Why do we know demons? What demons say is, in, is against the scripture, is in line with the flesh, and is in line with the world system. Yes? Okay, let's just talk about that. Tell me something out of what we have discussed. You know, you know, some things that you might, you know, have seen that, you know, can come under the category of self-deception or something that comes in the category of a wrong, uh, you know, demons deceiving people or what you can come about and demonic teaching. We love that. Um, yes, just say one each. So I yes. think one of the things that you, you honed in on was the fact that as Christians, we should search the scriptures ourselves. I think um, a lot of the, the church body rely on what they're told, and they don't actually go back and search the scriptures, and that's probably one of the biggest deceptions that we have in the church today. And they get told a lot of doctrines which are not found or not scripturally based, and they run with it. Uh, unfortunately, they're running so parallel to what they look, think looks like Christianity, only to run and find out you know, that it had no basis on Christ at all. And that's one of the probably the biggest deceptions that's rising up in the church at the moment, I think. Yes, yes. 
Um, false prophets. For example, you took us to the book of Jude, that we should beware of false prophets who will come in the last times, in the last days, to give false uh, teachings. For example, they would um, um, they would deceive and secretly sleep in as well, even while they are teaching in churches, and that they are godless people, and they will say there is no God, and that uh, they will say Jesus Christ is not coming now, like we had an example some time ago. So we should watch out that these false prophets do not, we do not listen to their teachings. And again, why do we not listen to their teachings? By even searching the scriptures ourselves and, yeah, cha- yeah, and searching that whatever they yeah. preach to yeah. us and uh, that whatever they preach to us that is in scriptures. Bible. Yes. All right, false prophets. Someone tell me what scripture really gives you the, the lowdown of false prophets. First Timothy what? Chapter four. No. All right. Now we need to get this clear. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. What does it say? Don't put it on the board. Let us, you, you know, you know, reason it out before you put it on the board. What did it say? The Spirit clearly says, "I'm hearing elders talking now." Yes. Yes. All right, you are reading it. So now you have to memorize it. All of you now have to memorize it. Let me give you this before we go and listen to other things. The first thing when you look at false doctrine is this. Or let me say, a defense of the Bible. It's always good to begin from what Jesus said. And then you can relate with what others said. In explaining what Jesus said. And you can always come back to what Jesus concluded. So, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 4. Remember I said 24, 4. 24, 4. 24, 4. 1 Timothy 4, 1. 1, 4, 1. So, 24, 4. Jesus says, watch out. That's the beginning. That no one deceives you. Then, 1 Timothy 4, 4. Says... For one, says what? In the latter, yes, some or many will drop the sound doctrine, abandon the faith. And when you are looking at scriptures, you must be very, very categorical in your speech. You can't say some will abandon faith. No. If you say some will abandon faith, then you have got it wrong. Because faith is different from the faith. Alright? The faith is faith personified. Faith is believing God. They believe God. But the faith is talking about Christian doctrines. They will see the difference there. The faith is not faith. Okay? Faith is believe God for something and stuff. But the faith that is talking about Christian faith, which is Christian doctrines, sound doctrines. It says, so will abandon the faith, and they will follow deceiving spirits, which is by your intuition and thoughts, and things taught by demons, which is the third party deceiving others. And that is what um, uh, Dickens said about the book of Jude, 
reflecting. But then the very scripture that tells you the resume or the 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 breakdown or detail of who are this this prophet and who verbatim said it is Second Peter two one. So if you look at Second Peter two one, you can easily break that down. We can look at that on the board. What did he begin by saying? There was as their world. So how to understand that and not forget is that Peter began to talk about the old and now present. He said in the old was false prophets. Okay? And then he says now will be false teachers. And you must understand the two. Why false prophets in the old? God teaches through prophets in the old. Prophets who wrote Isaiah, Micah, and then they are the ones who wrote all this. They were teachers. But in the new, God brings revelation through prophets, but he teaches through teachers. They are two different things. So the prophet of old has split now into two. The prophet of old will, tell, will write all these prophecies down, which becomes the lesson for people. The prophet of new will only tell you what God wants to do or what is about to happen. And then it is by the gift of teaching, they will now teach to expound what God wants. Therefore, he says, in the olden days, Satan infiltrated the church by a false prophet. But in this new time, they will be teachers. That's the first thing we need to get. Then the next line of that says, they will secretly I can't hear everybody looking at it. Look at your Bible and let's read it together. Okay, let me say to you that by normal human intelligence, denying the sovereign law who bought them can be humanly subjective. That's not what we really want to look at. What I want to look at is the act of those who are the prophets. The first thing the Bible says is that they will supergrass. They will secretly, which means they will now to your Jude, they will slip into your midst, behave like you, they will speak like you, they will be ordained, they will hold high position in church, all right? Haven't they risen to the place of power to hold the pulpit? Or influence over a sector of people in church, then they would begin to try to introduce deception. Because they have been deceived. And when you look at that, you don't look at pastors only, or ministers only, or elders, um, stuff like that. Members. There are members who just gather a few members, and they begin to try to incite you against the order that everybody's enjoying. Like you have this Tuesday meeting. Can you imagine somebody can say in this church that you are not praying enough? And such person, when you pray every day, they are not there. Are you together now? But you see, humanly, when somebody says that to many human beings, they just say, oh yes, that's true. That is the majority of human beings. But when you are born again, you are not supposed to be like that. Because the Bible says you should examine every truth. 
So if anybody is telling me that, you know, you know, this usher's team needs to be refired, I will ask that person about the last training of ushers, whether he was there to hear what we were taught. People who always do that are people who are not engaged in what is on ground. And those are the things that, you know, Peter was speaking about. Not just ministers. There are ministers who are teachers, who are ordained pastors, deacons, elders, who have that. But there are people who are not ordained, but they teach others because that spirit of deception, you know, comes into the church with a secret, you know, um, permeation. They, they will look good, but they are not God. What they say will look good, they are not God. Someone says that we are not fasting enough. First, second, third, we say you should fast. Has he fasted? Really, in this church, I told you that if you are weak, take one day. If you think you are looking for a gurudum of anointing, you can go for three days without food and water. And pray out every three hours. If this church tells you to pray every three hours, I've not seen a church that will tell you to do better on earth. If somebody will religiously just follow that. If you are together every day to pray, and some of you are able because your work permits you, your work doesn't permit, no issue that's covered for you, and you have night vigil, all right, and you go have outreach in the church, destructive heresies will come to tell you that I mean, we are not really doing anything here. You know, we don't go out to the to the to the to evangelism. We don't do this. Whereas any of the evangelism, they are not there. Those of us who come know ourselves. So, you need to understand that the word teacher, therefore, though um, verbatim, it is referring to those who mount pulpits, but in its implication, as explained by Jude, he's talking about ordinary members who are Christians. I would get them now. So, and the baseline, as uh, Bra, um, um, Adi said, is that what you hear, hear it well. Let me say this to you. The same way they destroy marriages, a good marriage can easily be shipwrecked just by this subtle introduction of hate, of, of you know, um, dissension. And before husband and wife who love themselves, no one will begin to think that she's giving more in this marriage or you, you know, your husband is exploiting you or your wife is exploiting you. And before you know it, they never thought. Somebody said, sold it to them. Then the, the marriage starts to pull apart. And people who love themselves are totally finished. So, we must know this. The same thing destroys relationship, friendship in church. Somebody that you meet in church and you are friend, God brought you together. You never know why for the future. The person may not look like substantial now. You may even look more substantive than that person. But in the next 10 years, that's the person who will lift you up. Okay? And they will come in to begin to slander, to begin to malign. Before you know it, you are now an enemy to a person who loves you and never did anything wrong to you. It's just for us to be very alert. Very alert. No, that Satan cannot sell deception to you in any way, shape or form. And I told you how to bust it in the church. If someone told you something about somebody, tell him I will make sure I tell the person that you are saying. 
that you said this. Yeah? And if he says, no, I'm sorry, I will tell him that you said you are sorry. Now, in, a, in an atmosphere where everybody knows that, someone says, something, I will tell the person, or I will tell apostle, I will tell pastor, you will discover that that practice shuts down such, except for people who have determined to deceive themselves, which is another issue. But that someone deceived me and influenced me, if you follow that instruction, it can never happen to you. Because the people who will deceive you, when they know that if you tell them anything, you will tell, or, uh, tell the person, or you will bring it to the knowledge of the authority, those people who are deceived, they will never mention anything in your own front. If they are saying it before you go, that they shut up. Because you have taken your stand clear, because you do not deceive yourself. Now, if you go back to the book of Amos, we recognize that anybody who is a victim of such will be punished. If you read the book of uh, Peter, we know that anybody who has done that never goes unpunished. Alright? And so, in that Peter, it began by saying, in the latter days, false prophets, uh, in, the, in the old days, false prophets, now false teachers. Now, the practicality is that they will secretly what, creep among you and introduce deceptive heresy. Okay. But have a look at that. I said the next statement after it. People can argue with you even if they know the truth. You know, people who want to believe a lie, they will always argue a lie. But number three tells you, the, the propelling force behind such things. Anybody who went into deception to deceive other people, what is behind him? What is behind him? And verse 3 tells us that, isn't it? What does he say in verse 3? In the agreed. So, verse 3 mentioned greed. I think verse 2 also mentions something. Let's look at verse 2 again. Okay, that is the result of their acts. Alright, let's look at verse 1 again. Let's read it. What I wanted us to keep in mind is the judgment, the consequence of that, which can never be eluded. Okay? But verse 2 tells us that unfortunately, majority of church will follow them. Majority of church will follow them. Majority of those who profess to be Christian. So it means that majority of Christians will come under destruction because they will follow deception. And that's what causes ill fortunes and all this stuff. That's what gives room to the devil. And then verse 3 tells us now about the teachers who are ministers. Greed is number one thing. In their greed, it says, this man will exploit. So because they are greedy, they will do anything to exploit people. Exploiting is using undue advantage of others. That is exploitation. I would together now. And we need to know this. And it says that they will 
now form stories. You mustn't forget. Nobody should use his life as an episode of testimony in the sense of saying, as my own life is, so your life will be because of tragedy. I've seen people who wrote books about their life story from tragedy to something. And the whole of that book is about problems, problems, how they suffered as a young person, how they went from one suffering to the other, and then another suffering to the other, another suffering to the other. Alright? And they're using that to say they want to teach others lesson. My own life and your own life can only teach others lesson when it's in line with the scripture. Your problem is your problem. And it's you only who go through it. And I don't go through your problem. Because I have my own problem to go through. So I cannot say that the problems I went through is what you two have to go through. We are born differently. (laughs) We have different intelligence. And we grow differently. And we know all these things. And we have different friends. You know, all these things affect what problem people have. So you cannot take such as a testimony. But if somebody is talking about his life of service to God and faith and encounter and power, yes. Yes. Because if that person talks about his faith life in God, his prayer life in God, it will be in line with the prayer life of Jesus, faith life of Jesus. And if you follow such, you will get the result. So in your life, that's the only thing that can communicate to me. But the problems you go through, may the Lord just let that remain with you and don't let it go to the next person. I will together now. Because my own problem is my cross. I don't want to give you my cross. You know, so that is what we must have in our contemplation. When we are looking at this very scripture of exploitation and with stories that they have made up. And it says also that they will be condemned. Yes? All right, good. So, um, Deaconess Gina, you raise your hand, isn't it? Yes. Let me give you the microphone, please. I was going to say one of the examples he gave us was um, the redemption of firstborns among the first prophets. Yes. Uh, it's going on in the world. Um, one of the teachings that uh, is going on that is the first teaching that is not in line with the word of God um, is the redemption of firstborn. And I know it's going on. So many people, they talk about it. And it's difficult to get them to understand that it is wrong. Who can tell me the reason why it's difficult? I was going to say that um, before Dickiness Gina mentioned that um, you mentioned the scripture Colossians 1 15 it says um, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation mm-hmm. it, it, the scripture is there and it talks back to what brother Ade said I think the generation that we have now in Christianity they do not want to substantiate the words that are spoken they are like uh, uh, children with their mouths open, just trying to gorge as much as they can, 
um, ready to pay whatever they want to pay um, to get the micro, uh, microwave uh, blessing that they can get as quickly as possible. Um, it's a reflection of what's going on on the altar is what's going on in the congregation. If people weren't ready to pay, these people wouldn't have anybody to lie to. They wouldn't be able to satisfy their greed if there weren't people in the churches that were also ready to feed them. Thank you very much. And this scripture, also um, generational curses, Ezekiel 18. These are things that are very clearly written in the scripture. And it's comical, it's, it's, it's laughable that like, uh, like uh, doctors, nurses, teachers, professors, intellectuals, thank you very much, sir. They, they, they allow these men and women or they allow the, these destructive heresies to, to wash over them for whatever reason. They pay and they pay, but they don't bother to read the next line of the scripture. So this is really what's going on. If there wasn't such a, uh, a lethargicness in the actual body of Christ, this situation wouldn't even be able to have leg to stand on. And this is, the, this is what we need to deal with right now. I don't know. It really just comes down to a wanting to know and a relationship with God because I do not believe and I know the God that I serve. A relationship with God will not allow you to think that you have to redeem your firstborn. When he said in the scripture that Jesus is the firstborn, he's also our senior brothers. He's our senior brother and we are secondborn along with all others. Why would he allow you to, to take the money that he's given you to waste for no reason? Like, it really, it, that's the true God that we serve. He would never allow that to happen. And that's the reason why I'm thinking that, you know what, it's, it's a relationship with God. It's the relationship with God. People are not willing or not wanting to have or to put the effort in to have a relationship with God. They're ready to just take whatever the man or woman, so-called of God, gives them so that they can get that microwave blessing so that they can see whatever happens in their life and think, you know, that's all right because that happened from, from quote-unquote God. But they're not ready to put in the work to have the natural relationship. Is that not similar to what Jesus says? Narrow is the way. Millions will go to hell. More people will go to hell. Because what... Um, Dickensack just spoke about now is the normal attitude of people. Let me say something to you. I went to minister today in uh, the CR, CRE, Christian Resource uh, um, Exhibition. And when they asked me to come and minister there every year, they asked me what do you want to speak about? The coming of the Lord. <laughs> I will not change my topic. But the things that God spoke there today were so interesting. Very, very interesting. They are so, the scriptures have taught you, but in a different angle. Something last Sunday, really, when we finished last Sunday, Pastor Sidney was there, Pastor Josiah was there, Dickens Josiah was there, Pastor Boaba was there. Everybody was seeing the apostle. The same scripture you taught us in, in England. This is different approach to it. We want the tape now, now, you know. It's because the congregation is different. And the fact is this, the natural nature of many Christians is laziness. And that is the reason why the church of God is poor. And when I mean poor, I mean 
many people are living, they are under living their potentials on earth because they don't have this, this motivation to do better in anything they are doing. We have this attitude that somebody does it for me, I get the benefit. And we have this attitude that, oh, well, if you, if you can be in a place where you can earn to pay your rent, to have a little comfort, that's it. But some people go beyond that to decide in their life that they will establish organization that will create employment for many families. And these, most of them are non-Christians. Some people wake up in the morning. Uh, there is something I will tell you, but I don't want to be on air. When we finish, we'll cut off, and I'll tell you this. This is just what happened to me in the past few days. So, laziness is what um, um, Dickin was talking about. Any other person want to say something before we finish? Okay, let me have one, two, three, and uh, four, five, six, seven, and then we stop. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. Just but very brief, brief, yes. brief, everyone. Of you. Yeah, just to, just to quickly mention about Ezekiel um, chapter 34. Apostles spent extensive time taking us through and the judgment that ministers that preach falsehood we, we, we get. And Apostle mentioned something that the father, somebody said, a minister, you should not take verbatim whatever they say. That you've got to know the word of God for yourself. And based on your sound knowledge of the word of God, then you can now either, you know, make up your mind to say, yes, they are speaking in line with God's word. They can accept it. And if not, just quickly cast it out. But the entire chapter talks about the judgment that will come upon shepherds that are not living right before God. Praise God. I just quickly want to add, when Daddy was just asking just now what, um, why people turn to the saving spirit. The verse that came to me was Second Timothy chapter 4 from verse 2. But it talks about people having itching ears and wanting to hear what they want to hear themselves from 2 to 4. And that's just what I want to add. Um, my one is from um, Second Peter from verse um, 18. It says, For their mouth boasts and boastful word, their mouth is empty, boastful word, and by appealing to the lustful desire of sinful men's nature, um, the enticed people are just escaping from those who live in error. So which means all these people that are enticing all this, they're actually living in a life of lie to themselves as well. And then also, the people are actually telling them all this message, uh, they promise them freedom while they themselves also living in slavery. And depriving others people as well. Praise the Lord. Mine is on general cause. You you taught us that general causes do not apply to born again Christian who remains in God because he's a is a new creature. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Then the covenant can only be binding if there is an enforcement of the power of the air force. And that's what happened in the court. But it's not applying to a Christian who is in God. Amen. Uh, just a quick, um, shall I say, adding what Dickens Zach and um, I think Dickens uh, said uh, to something, and that's the reason. One of the reasons why people are gullible is that microwave 
when they've been under the supposed man of God, who has helped them before, who has kind of ministered to their needs before, they find it hard to actually be able to confront or to go against what that man of God, supposedly man of God, is now saying because he has helped them before. You know, but in this house, Apostle will say, the day you hear me teach something that is against the word of God, if you stay here, your blood is on your head. You know, those ministers will not be able to say that. And Berean Christians, Acts 17, 11, they went back every day to look into the Bible to see whether what these apostles were saying, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. And if it was the wrong thing, they would not have been following them. And the self-deception and human beings deceiving other people. And then these people cannot go back into the Bible to read the Bible. Then they become gullible people. And that's why they continue to follow all those deceptions and everything. Because one, they respect this person above the word of God. And they are not even following the word of God. And this person is being on such a pedestal. Not telling everybody what you hear from this house. That the day you hear me preach heresy, if you stay here, your blood is on your head. And we know that's not going to happen in this house in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Um, I was not in church on that day, but I was watching on the internet. And like when Apostle was speaking about self-deception, what came to my mind was a lot of people claim to be Christians because in my engagement with a lot of other um, Christians from other denominations, I found out that some of them have got this cultural belief that although they are Christians, but they've still got that cultural belief in their mind, and it affects them in believing what is in the Bible. So I believe such Christians, you know, they put themselves, you know, um, I wouldn't call it intentionally, but ignorantly under deception. They are deceiving themselves through the cultural belief that they grew up with. Yeah. All right. Let me just say to you that uh, you all did, you got 100% like mommy say. <laughs> Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you. Stop going around to people. Kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth. In the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, 
and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events, Overcomers Night Vigil, Hear the Voice of God, Receive Life-Changing Teaching, Be Lifted Through Dynamic Worship. Become an Overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly Victory Nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.